Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Hello, you're listening to the DC Public Library on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. This episode is part of All Things Local, where we highlight DC history, culture, and communities and Washingtonians who have made an impact on our city. I am your host, Ray Barker, an archivist in the Special Collections Department at the MLK Library, and today I am joined by Swoll, S-W-O-L-L, that's uh, Matt Dowling, and Ben Schur. So welcome, guys. Hello, thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Uh, so this is your first podcast, huh? Is this your first? Yeah, the the band is very new, um, we only did a couple live shows ahead of re- releasing the record. Um, the record was made largely in 2016, um, and I had a lot of other stuff going on in 2017, a couple of releases. So um, early this year was the earliest we could get it out. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to get something out first and then build from there. So Right, and we were talking earlier about how I heard the album and, and all that stuff, and I guess there was a City Paper article I may have come across but I should share with anyone listening uh, partly why you guys are here is because I really like the album. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, we can talk a little bit uh, about the music later, and we have some tracks to share with everyone from the album. It came out in March, and I know there's been some promotion. But if you don't mind, um, Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about who you are and uh, where you grew up and how you found music? Sure, yeah. Um, I grew up in the area um, I grew up in a town called Olney, Maryland, which uh, is not very cool at all. Um, I'm really bored now. Just please move on. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, basically got into bass guitar when I was a young kid. And um, uh, there were a lot of music kids from Olney that ended up doing some cool stuff because um, there wasn't much to do there. Um, played in bands in high school, not anything notable. Um, but in a meeting, a group of people that would end up being my first, you know, true band, which is Deleted Scenes, and Deleted Scenes was together for almost ten years. It's a DC band, um, but I, I went to college out in the Midwest and um, really wanted to do something musically, but wasn't really sure how to go about it. Um, I'd be going to shows in Chicago on the weekend, just like you know, begging to, to get into something. And my, my group of friends from back home, um, you know, we did, did some recording projects over the summer and kind of that, that was the early stages of, of what then became deleted scenes. So I came back after that. And, and this is uh, early 2000s or this was, um, the uh, scene started in 2005. Um, so, um, and we had some of the songs like in 2004, you know, scratch, uh, scratch versions of those in t- 2004, um, and, uh, I came back here while I was, uh, doing deleted scenes. I was also going to grad school at university of Maryland in engineering. That's my, 
educational background is chemical and biomedical engineering. Um, and I was able to pull off a situation where I was going pretty hard with deleted scenes and also doing uh, research. And uh, it was a really fun time. And some uh, I'm not sure um, you know, how familiar or not you are with the band, but it got some pretty good accolades. Um, our first record came out in 2009. Um, and that sort of propelled us to go tour and release a few more records and got, you know, record deal and all the stuff that you want. But it for like for many bands, uh, it gets hard. And uh, um, uh, but I learned a lot from doing that and uh, and certainly a lot about songwriting and, and making stuff. So and you were writing songs with them and playing bass with them? or Yeah. Um, uh, me and Dan, the singer, were really the key you know, it was a collaboration uh, on the songwriting side for, for the majority of the band. And uh, um, so, yeah, a lot of how I approach things with this project relates to how we wrote songs and deleted scenes. Cool. And then I'll turn over to Ben here. Yes. So Ben, when, what's your background and when did you start playing? Uh, interestingly enough, I think everybody in Swole started off as a bass player. Like um, my very first, I started playing uh, bass at the age of 10 and then it just, that was it. It was like once I had started doing that, my entire like worldview was basically shaped basically through the lens of how is this going to chant, like how is this going to become something related to music or art, which is a pretty interesting perspective for a 10 year old. Um, I'm from Philadelphia originally and um, just playing likewise. Well, I did, I, w- I didn't go to school instead of going to school. I meaning college. Uh, I went to high school. But instead of going to college, I kind of just played in a bunch of bands in Philly and, you know, did some touring. Um, I have another band called Brer. That was the, the band that I, you know, basically saw the country and learned how to write a song and learn how to produce and, and do all these things there. And I ended up in D.C. in 2012 when I was on tour with another band called Eskimo and we hit a deer and I got stranded here and then moved into the old paper house. And from there... Um, I met I met Matt pretty early, but we started talking about collaborating bef- maybe a year or so, I would say, before we actually did. Can and you tell me a little bit about Paper House? What? Uh, the house or yeah. the band? Both. both. <laughs> um, well, the house is one of... I've played a lot of house shows over the con- like all, all across the country, and I would say the original Paper House was one of the most magical... I don't know how to describe it, but it just like had this it just brought people in and was so well organized and like you would just have these magical shows there. Um, which this is old, Northwest DC or like- yeah, it was in Petworth, um, which, uh, then got converted into, uh, this, it got converted into like a, a gentrifier's pa- paradise because of like, a, what was it? The HDTV show. Yeah, it was, it was featured on a H H HDTV. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was called DC flippers. Oh, well, wait, no. So it was a, like a performance place. It was musicians, yeah. etc. And then it and then was it, featured in that program. And then suddenly, and it was it, it was it wasn't featured in the program like as like look at this cool music. It was just like look at this look shitty. This oh, sorry. Can I? Can I? Oh, I can. Okay. Look at this shitty house. And like, there's like musicians who live in here, and we're gonna make it awesome. Now. We're gonna make it nice. Um, Someone so, needs to clean that place up. Yeah, they need to get rid <laughs> yeah. of all the pests. But uh, yeah, that there house. was a lot of cockroaches there. To and be then fair. there's that. So and there then, were actual pests. <laughs> and then the band itself then came from that. 
Uh, the band was first. Yeah, right? the band the band was first, and, and I was not a, a part of the band at that time. I was just really good friends with those guys, and I that place like a lot of other musicians in the city. You know, I found myself there a lot for shows, and just you know, it was a great place to meet other people um, who were in the music community, yeah. and um, uh, you know, I became friends with them, and then you know, sort of when my schedule freed up at least on the musical side um you know alex asked me to play bass because they had lost their bass player and i said yeah let's let's do it um so i've been playing with them since since that time and then you guys met and ben you were talking about you guys talking about collaborating and then it happened a year later and is yeah this, it swole that project yeah yeah it was um uh basic basically we um I, the first project i worked on when i moved to dc was uh, which the band is now called stronger sex um but when that record came out, uh, it it I, I believe that's when we talked. Was you're just being like, "Whoa, I really like the production on this record. Um, I'm working on some solo stuff. Would you want to help me produce it?" And you know, I was a fan of of deleted scenes, and I was you know, and also just like that that magical combination of not like being new to a city, so I was like, like super open to any sort of ideas, but also being a fan of of Matt's um, Matt's work. But also, what was really interesting was from working on the record was to see how much Matt's fingerprints were on deleted scenes from a songwriting perspective. Cause you could, it, this was the first project you'd ever just been like on your own as a songwriter and as, as a front person as well. And, um, you know, the, the interesting thing about producing a record is you really get to get inside of a person's psyche in, 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 in a very interesting way. Cause you're kind of, uh, I don't know how to put it into words exactly, but but that's I think the best way to describe it. When as a producer, is you're supposed to get inside of there and see how they understand stuff. And my frame of reference from before was a much more, um, you know, traditional rock band. Even though that I know that you produced a lot of like stuff, sort of like uh, in a more um, you know computerized way as well. But um, it was it was a really interesting perspective to like re-listen to some deleted scene stuff after we'd worked on the record and be like, aha, that's that perspective and that you know well great i think we're moving towards the first track i just wanted to say that um matt was kind enough to uh select some tracks my three favorite i guess from the record which was nice but also just to point out that i we originally wanted swole to play live here in the uh cramped uh studio here but maybe at some future point but in lieu of that we have sort of semi-live recordings from a rehearsal is that correct uh yeah these individual tracks so don't be confused they were recorded live, but they're not being played live right now. But um, so just uh, it looks like, Matt, you were doing voice, baritone, guitar, bass, guitar and synth. And Ben provided uh, beats and some additional synths. And it's sort of a collaborative project. But um, what I hear is a, a lot of Matt, Matt's sort of singer songwriter stuff. But I thought we could touch base on that when we get back from this track. So the sure. first one is called Shake. And is there anything we should know about it before we listen to, sh- to Shake? Just um, this was. Maybe you could talk about it because I, I, I just can't shake it, you yeah. know, <laughs> to the beat. It's about chocolate ben, shakes. This, Ooh, this is, this know, is the right? song that Ben felt like uh, really excited about when he first. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's listen to shake.
Well, great. That was Shake by Swole. We are speaking to um, Matt Dowling and Ben Schur from Swole, but there are other guys in the group, and who are they? Uh, Eric Slate plays with us, uh, baritone guitar, live. Okay, great. And the live recording has a little bit more punch than the than the studio recording, yeah. I feel. It's, uh, we also have um, a, uh, a light slash laser guy who's he doesn't you know, he does like a lot of the visuals uh that's zach forrest oh cool great i knew that there was an unsung hero and i'm glad we got secret to, to, to mention him uh, both of them so swole why what's what's that about why would you do that <laughs> um i when i first heard the word swole i thought it was very funny and i sort of became obsessed with it um and I didn't check Urban Dictionary, but I feel like I should have. Like, the, what, it, what does it the mean? Urban, the Urban Dictionary would say something like uh, muscle dude or big guy, sort of like, you know, people that are watching like a football team play, sees the linebacker come out and say, man, that dude's swole. And, um, you know, I, I sort of, <laughs> me and my old drummer, Brian Hostel from Deleted Teens, used to laugh about, um, sort of <laughs> we used to laugh about the disdain of sports and <laughs> competition in, in indie rock um, specifically something like weightlifting <laughs> is like, so he and I sort of like in a way uh, uh, you know familiarity breeds contempt so we, uh, we I don't know uh, started getting into weightlifting <laughs> and but it, you like you, you kind of see a totally different world than what you're used to um, and you see that you know there's people that are like flexing in the mirror and like you know trying to like one up each other in this like very like vain way even though the act of lifting weights is actually a healthy thing but like it's not a healthy thing to like be trying to one-up each other in this vain way. But basically, I was sort of like, you know what? Our whole world is becoming like that. It's, it, we're all, you know, like flexing in the mirror about something like, oh, I'm so great at this, you know. Um, uh, you know, I'm the world's expert in, you know, Russian language. The, mm-hmm. what, whatever so whatever, whatever that is, is, fill in the blank, whatever that expertise is, and then there's sort of a, a public acknowledgement. Part of that process is a public acknowledgement of that. Basically. So, like, a lot of the terms relates to the modern condition as it exists within something like, for example, social media. Like, social media makes everybody feel like they have to be saying something about what they're doing. You have to, like, flex in the mirror. And what's kind of funny about the modern condition, too, is, like, if you, uh, you know, look on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you're going to see a lot of pictures of, like, people take is the concept of the selfie is is like the is, is a flex in the mirror type of thing yeah. um so that's the guy whose face ego. is on, this guy the guy's face is on the cover of the record but that's <laughs> but that's okay but this will be a nice transition actually if that's okay sure. and to my theory about the record and what appealed to me one of the things that appealed to me and we talked about this earlier was this notion of the singer songwriter and so to me that sort of means that there's a, an individual who you know all this all the music or the stories of the songs or or whatever is that perspective that's coming from a singular a person uh, per, in that perspective not a not a group perspective or whatever and and underneath that is sort of you know this emotional something emotional some emotional story or, or heartbreak or something so that's a little bit what i hear in this and we don't have to go into too much detail but what i like in it if if we can say this is sort of collaboration and so in my mind, Matt is the singer-songwriter guy who has the, the song structures, and then you come in and sort of 
dress that up a little bit or, or yeah. input your aesthetics onto it. And can we talk about about that a little For bit? For sure. Um, yeah, I think that that's a, a pretty accurate description. And what was what was interesting about it is like you know when you're when when somebody comes in to work on a record from, from you know as I said with a producer, um, I think that it's again it's the producer's role to be to first, especially when there's no there was no specific groundwork laid. Like it was the vague demo. I think the first one we ever worked on was a song called Budge, and it was there was a Fruity Loops drum pattern a very simple one and and then it was the song on on baritone and bass guitar there's no sense no nothing like that and it was just like a whatever drum sounds that, that just made the beat and there wasn't a lot of necessary intention at that point and um pretty quickly we figured out that as opposed to having a record that each song is radically different you know like building it from the ground up we basically stuck with very classic drum machine sounds most of them if you want to be extra nerdy about it or uh, Lin drum sounds, DMX drum sounds, and 808s. Very, very simple. Which in the world of production could be, I mean, there's millions of drum sounds in the world. So to keep it that simple was an important foundation. And we knew that every song was going to have baritone guitar and bass guitar. And then I created a synth patch, which we just, I, I now refer to as Sad Swole Bells, which we used on every song. And there was Mellotron Choir. And then every now and again, we would fill in random, like it's the Mellotron choir sound. And then everything else was kind of, um, you know, then we could throw unique elements in from there. And then obviously Matt's voice and doing layers of vocals. Uh, but having something that had such a consistent palette, really, it's it's interesting. It's like when you when you do something like that, you have enough of a groundwork that you get a record that from start to finish sounds like one thing. And then allows the more unique, like the unique elements are very, they're more subtle and they just add a little bit of movement. So, you know, um, I and think that that was great. I was going to say yeah. something about when we, when we play the second track, there's I have more commentary about these, the, the more unique, ba- a- yeah. the other aspects of the, beyond that palette, that immediate palette that you just described. But do you want to tell me, Matt, a little bit about, you were said you're using your phone, like at the very earliest stages, demoing these songs, <clears throat> what, how basic that looked like and what, what the motivation was there and then we can move on to this uh, second track settle up the road yeah i mean uh, guitar playing guitar and singing remains you know a great medium to to write songs and um but i'm a bass guy um you know by history uh but it's melodic there's not enough melodic ri- richness uh, in a bass to really write well so i developed an affinity to baritone guitar so i'd sit there playing my baritone guitar into my phone and singing these yeah there was uh, singer songwritery kind of stuff it felt like i was like writing emo pop songs or something which i think you said had, weezer yeah <laughs> oh yeah and weezer just um, trying to like, rewrite uh the blue album like over um, and over again like jimmy Eat world or something <laughs> like that like i was like so i'm i'm you know and keep in mind too i mean it's it's serious subject matter but there's elements uh, we're sort of the term swole creates a laugh i want there's there's humor in this and and a lack of seriousness in it um at its core and so and that's the way we approach it is like hey let's just make stuff that's what ben's great about it's like let's just get in our house on the pc computer and use whatever we have to go to just to just make stuff and and that's that's what gets me you know gets me going musically um and uh you know 
a part of what brought me back to DC and you know my musician friend network here is just like sort of a punk rock approach to things and that's how Ben takes the approach is just like we're not more than we are we just it, it is what it is and if we sound funny and emo or funny and emo and sad or whatever we're just it's a true expression of ourselves and that's it and that's what we wanted so look great and i so the next track is settle up the road and i believe this is one of the tracks that has the robot voice yes and uh quoting robot voice here someone talking about a video store in like 2019 and says things like coming up matt you feel me um so we'll just Start, leave that there and talk about that character uh, when we get back after sure. this track, Settle Up the Road. Swole. Hey, baby. You know you're in my world. Bless you in search. I'm here to work. Help me to explain why I'm stuck on I 
All right, and he fell down into a well or something. I love the fall of that that vocal as the track ends, and that was just uh, recorded yesterday, actually. Um, so we were talking about the robot voice, and I had that you know idea that this is like a comic character or a comic relief of sorts because everything else to me feels kind of heavy. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk? You guys want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, uh, what inspired me to do that? I mean, you know, our approach to making because it wasn't a band, we sort of, let's make beats and go. So sort of like a hip hop approach. I mean, I'm, I'm very inspired by a lot of hip hop stuff. You hear stuff like that happen in hip hop a lot, um, which is kind of a quick way to create a conversational element in the music. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a really important part of, of a great record is like feeling like you're listening in on, on someone else's conversation or even a part of the conversation at some point. Um, and, uh, and so it kind of helps with that, but for whatever, it, it, sometimes, <clears throat> you know, the beautiful thing about art is just sometimes making and not necessarily think I have to make some thing and it has to be, I have to be able to explain my intention and give great interviews. It's sort of like, that's just what, came to me as the song was coming together and I think in retrospect you could also think of it as like a, a different voice that's sort of you know in my oftentimes when I'm saying stuff like that it's coming from a place of like something I've wanted to say in my life but I'm too scared to say so I need this sort of demonic tough part of me to come out to actually be able to say it Mm -hmm. um and the whole like video store thing for example which people just get a kick out of is refers to um it it, it refers to being uh left for a dude that worked in a video store (laughs) and and a real life example this is this is my uh, emo truth coming out ben actually always uh has a great line i mean i'm sure it's not others have said similar things but music is a weapon you know people can like uh, art is a weapon you know art is a healthy way of dealing with things that you you know instead of going and and you know stabbing people or something you you make art and so that was a fun instance of just sort of making a light of something that was really hurtful in real time. Like like it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to just laugh about it now. And I didn't know people worked at video stores anymore. Well, it's, it was a long time ago. (laughs) So I have a lot of, given (laughs) that this is the first time I've ever written lyrics for anything in my life, I I have a lot of of stuff to be able to draw from. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so another element that jumps out at me listening to this stuff is, is the falsetto. And I was listening to the CD on the drive into work today, and I realized is, you know, is a falsetto, it goes in and out throughout the record, but, you know, it is, is a falsetto make someone sound more vulnerable? Like, is that what I was responding to? Um, I just naturally sing falsetto well. I don't have much experience singing outside of that. In, in bands that have played in, specifically deleted scenes, like, I would always do, like, high backup stuff and I, I mean the the timbre of my voice fits high anyway but I that's what I got to practice at a lot so that's where I, that's my comfort zone in this and interestingly I mean you may have heard this on the live on some of the live stuff or at least the first uh, one that we played um I'm I'm sort of going in this more like guttural direction now where I almost like sing like in a a metal <laughs> thing which mm-hmm. is kind of an interesting evolution of my voice but um that's my comfort zone is, is high but yeah I mean I guess 
just vulnerable. I mean, I'm, I, it was uncomfortable making this record. I was, I was going through a really tough time when I made this. Ben was sort of like half my psychologist, half my, my producer at this, but um, I was in a really vulnerable place. And like all, I felt like the only thing I could do was just make stuff. That was my only combat to being in such a vulnerable place is to make stuff, you know? So. Yeah, and I, I also feel like some of the, something that makes this album really special and unique in a lot of way is that you have like the, the music is so low and so like it's you know made by bassists and it, even just like the fact that the bpm is generally under 100 it's it's all kind of like it's slower moodier it has like a very you know i i kind of see it that like bait like a the bass is kind of like the way that human beings respond to bass is usually out of like fear because it's like if something low is happening, it's because there's like an earthquake or there's like a, a stampede or something like that. Like usually in, in a, if, if you took away, if like if you were out in the wilderness and you heard just a low rumble, you're, you're going to have a very, um, adre- like your adrenaline is going to start pumping. You're going to have this thing. There's some primitive response. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the reason that bass music is such a thing. And, you know, I, I know that that's my attraction to low frequencies. But I think that what, what balances it on this record so much is the fact that Matt does primarily sing in this falsetto. So it really has this very um, balanced, as I said, like feeling because you have so much low and then on top of it is that, and then you have, as I said, like the bells and the sort of like choir thing and these little sparkles, all the high sounds are very sparkly or that percussive, you know, uh, baritone guitar that's like run through like a pitch shift that's like, Nini. and so you have these, this constant dichotomy between low and high and it's mm-hmm. almost like the ground and the sky or something like that. Yeah, great, great, great answers. And I think this is a good time to transition into this that to me, the record sounds pretty insular as we've been saying in a good way. And so transferring that sort of insular sound into a live setting, can we talk about that a little bit and what, how those gears shift a little bit and what the, how the picture kind of takes a different shape? Yeah, it was... Uh, putting the live together, uh, show together was... Um, in one respect, not that hard at all. In another respect, incredibly difficult um, because um, all of us are generally used to either playing with a drummer if we're going to do guitar stuff or we're just doing all electronic and that makes the medium a little bit like easier to work with so it's like we're we're you know juxtaposing these very boxy tracks that are just set how they are with live sounding guitars and when we first started playing in a room i'm singing like how we sing on the record i'm like this doesn't all work i can't sing like kind of super quiet or super hush. So that's that was the evolution of like I had to start singing more gut, guttural like the song like Back to You which like on the record I'm like I told you. Now live I'm like ah you know I'm like <laughs> screaming it pretty much yeah. like the whole time but it somehow works in a new way. Um uh and ultimately it was a fun process to see them evolve into a live setting and um and, and, then, guys, and yeah. sorry and i was sorry to interrupt but you were playing this stuff out live we were saying before the seed many months before the cd was out not well, yeah right? i mean the record was done by the time the first show happened which is december of last year we released the record in march um uh and we did one no we did a couple other shows prior to that but um but it from the record totally being done it was totally done in it was totally done in may of 2017 so it was like in may of 2017 we're like all right let's start getting in a room yeah and so it a took, year year plus ago yeah yeah and i mean 
that being said, like in 2017, I released a record with the effects. I re- released a record with paper house. So, and Ben was releasing a million records with all his bands on blight and his own bands. Um, so we weren't practicing like every day, but we would like, we'd get together like once a month or something. Yeah. Or yeah, as we started gearing up towards shows, we, we, you know, well, there's a lot of intentionality, um, in, in how we wanted to present the live performance. Um, because both of us have so much experience with, with playing in bands and like, you know, we also both know how we, you know, I think that, and it's, it's true with any, like, any other bands that I've started or been involved with starting since this point is I, I don't think I also, it's, it's two things. I don't think that the audience is as forgiving as of a band being fumbly unless it's really endearing. And I also don't want to be in a fumbly band and I don't think Matt wants to be in a fumbly band. And like, we know we already did that. We already made a lot of mistakes. So it's like with this, um, I know the way that Matt presented it was like being like, I want to do things in a very specific way. I want to, I want to have it, the band presented in a specific way. And even though it's still obviously a learning process and you, you never have it perfect and you don't want to get too in the ideas, like if it's not completely perfect, then we're not going to do it. But it's like making sure that it really presents to the world as a fully realized work of, you know, like a work of art. It's not just like um, a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing. And I think that, you know, that's, that's maybe like, I think why a lot of people were even like surprised, like, oh, wow, this is like, I'm hearing about this. And like, you know, there's all these visual components and it's because like, you know, as opposed to just releasing the record right after we came out with and putting on like Bandcamp or whatever, we, we really thought about being like, how do we make sure that this has the maximum amount of impact for what we have as a new project? And, um, I know I was certainly since, cause like, you know, we put the label out, we put the album out on, on a label that I run called blight and we've had a lot of, um, fumbly campaigns for records. And this one was the first one I was like, like, wow, this was a really, by, by my accounts, a very successful way to, to release an album for a band. Great. Um, and that was a lot on, on Matt's end of being like, we're doing it this way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, let's cool. do it. Oh, great. So let's play the third track here today, and then I have one more question for you guys, and we can wrap things up. This is called You've Gone Away. Is there anything you want to say about You've Gone Away? It's track seven. Um, it's it's kind of a red herring in that it's it's upbeat and fast and childlike and, and kind of lighthearted in a way, but um, uh, it was just the right fit, you know, at that point in the record, and, and I feel like really tied the record. It was surprising to me how much response i've gotten to this song people i i thought it was sort of a throwaway yeah so yeah i I think it's a good song
Great. That's You've Gone Away from Swole. And find more music at swole, S-W-O-L-L, dot bandcamp, dot com. And I will never say that word again without thinking of other other things um, that we talked about earlier. Uncle Muscles. <laughs> so, um, so the sort of final question, or at least one of my final points here, is about um, the back of the CD here says, uh, this is a limited release CD, by the way. You still have copies? Yeah. Still got some copies. Um, so 2018 product of DC, it says on the back. And does that mean, what does that mean anything, uh, a product of DC? So um, that's that's part of the things with Blight. Um, I don't know why I was so attracted. Well, okay, actually, I do know why. I really, I see when you make an album is it's a document slash it's a record. It's a recording of a specific place and time. And that's to me what really excites, like like why I love recording people why I love putting out records and I see everything on the label um as blight is like being like these little like you know like we're an archive and that's kind of how discord sees things as well but it's I I like to make sure that when people get a record especially because you know most of the bands tour and all that they they have it and they could be like whoa this is this little time capsule from whatever period of time with this group of people that occurred in this place because I think that where a thing is made and what time it's made really informs what the art is. So that's just a thing I, I make sure that all of the releases that we put out on Blight have, and it's just like a little... Just we're on the map, this is the place. Yeah, yeah. This is the time. Yeah, and I mean, most of the things on, on the label are made in D.C., so it's like, you know, that's and it shows the wide breadth of things that happen here, which um, is really cool. It's really cool to watch and, you know, see, and that's just a way to kind of mark it. Uh, so I have a little tag thing I have to read, but is there anything else you guys didn't get to talk about? You have upcoming shows? Anything on the horizon? We've got the one on the 20th, right, at Rhizome? Yeah. Um, oh. Yes, and uh, we're going to be booking a tour. We're going to do a tour this summer, um, just East Coast, um, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. Cool. Well, great. Thanks, guys. Uh, so thanks for talking to me today. We've been speaking to um, Matt Schur and uh, – um, I'm sorry uh, – Ben Shore and Matt Dowling. Yeah, of course I screwed it up at Who the end. Who knows what the future holds? <laughs> We're getting very close as Ben. <laughs> if there were a Matt Shore in town, that would be really funny. And a Ben Dowling. So <laughs> just flip those. Flip those. Um, but thanks, guys, for talking today. Thank you for the music. Thank, Thank you, you for, for letting having me. Thanks. Yeah. This was great. So great. So uh, just telling you guys that an upcoming event from Special Collections, the department where I work, is um, Saving Family Treasures Personal Archiving Workshop. 101 speaking of records that's saturday june 16th uh from 1 to 3 p.m at woodridge library that's 1801 hamlin's hamlin street northeast dc so in those workshops you learn how to preserve your own personal photographs letters and ephemera by library experts uh one more workshop is august 11th from 1 to 3 p.m at the bellevue library so this has been an episode of dcpl's all things local on full service radio broadcasted live from the line hotel in adams morgan washington dc Thanks to you both for being guests today, and everyone have a good afternoon. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on MixCloud.com slash Full Service Radio. 
Full-service radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.